Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks. Now, say my name. Eisenberg. You're damn right. Welcome to Los Podcast Hermanos, the HHW LOD Breaking Bad Podcast. Hey everybody and welcome to Los Podcast Hermanos Episode 5, where we will be discussing Breaking Bad Season 5 Episode 13, Tohajali. I'm Jordan from Jersey and I'm joined tonight by Russ and Jim. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Pretty swell, thanks. And we've got a special guest tonight, Mr. Aaron Newarth from the Out Now with Aaron and Abe podcast, which you can find at hhwlod.com. How are you doing tonight, Aaron? I'm doing pretty good. I had fruit, fruit Loops, and that's, you know, that's good stuff. So. <laughs> and it ties into this episode. Uh, Out Now with Aaron and Abe is our weekly new release movie show where you and Aaron... Or you and Abe, rather, because you're Aaron. I'm, Aaron. I'm just tired. Aaron, Aaron uh, and this... his multiple personality, also named Aaron. <laughs> yes, it's, it's very complicated, it's but uh, breaks the fourth dimension. Earth uh, 2, They discuss... <laughs> Earth 2, Aaron. On that show, they discuss the new movies that have come out that week, uh, contests and games and uh, wide cast of characters. It's a fun show, so you should check it out if you haven't already. I don't have anything to add. I just agree. It is a good show. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. And he's thanks, humble, too. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> Uh, so this week, gentlemen, uh, how long did it take you to remember to breathe after the end of the episode? Oh, man. <laughs> this was, <laughs> I, I, it was about like the third commercial break of Low Winter Sun. I think that's about the time. <laughs> yeah, pretty intense. I I knew something was going to happen because we kind of talked about it last time that um, and I don't know why I can't remember the lady's name that directed the episode. Why that always escaped Michelle me. McLaren. Yes. yes. That she always directs the high action episodes, so I was waiting for it, and I got it. <laughs> In space. Yeah, oh, and next week, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but the episode is going to be directed by Ryan Johnson. Yes, Yay. who directed Looper and Brick, and what was the other big one he did? The Brothers Bloom. The Brothers Bloom, of course. Uh, so great director, and uh, he's directed episodes before. Fly was the one I think most people know. Um, but I'm super excited to see him as well. It's like a greatest hits, not just in everything that's happening on the screen, but the people behind the camera too. Yeah, for sure. It has been a, a nice cavalcade of directors. Some of them being like, one was like a writer, what Steve Cloven who going, jumped on there. Then Michelle McLaren, of course. Now we got Ryan Johnson. It's just like all the, all the best parts of Breaking Bad coming together to each do one episode. So. Yeah. And this episode was written by George Masters. Uh, like we said, it was directed by Michelle McLaren. What do you say, gentlemen, we get right into it? Cause it was a big one. Yes. All right, so we start in our cold open with Lydia Rodart Quayle uh, meeting Todd, his uncle, and his uncle's guy. Who? What's that guy's name? I can never remember what it is. Uncle Jack. No, 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 no. Jack. Oh. Is it Kenny? I believe it's Kenny, yes. Okay, yeah. so Jack, Kenny, and Todd are there. They are cooking meth. They're uh, making sure it's all the right quality, the right purity, all that kind of stuff. And it hits 76%, which is okay, but... It's not blue, which is a problem. That's what her foreign, that's what Lydia's foreign buyers demand. She really wants blue meth. Everybody wants blue meth. That's what's really going over in the Czech Republic. 
So they discuss a few humorous ways that they could improve the color of the meth. And, uh, and then Kenny and Jack leave. And Todd talks to Lydia for a bit. And he's getting a little close to her, kind of close talking and assuring her, you know, I just want to do the best job and thanks for giving me this chance, all that kind of stuff. As she is drinking out of a live, not a live free or die mug, but a either these colors don't run or these colors don't bleed. These colors don't run. In fact, they make uh, a shot later after Todd touches the cup and kind of wipes her lipstick off of it that there is like color running on the mug. Kind of in, in ah, defiance gotcha. of what it says, you know, the colors don't run. I, I could see these colors don't, but then uh, every time I saw a shot of it, somebody's hand was covering the last word, so run or bleed, they're both uh, both used in that phrase often it's enough. It's one of those little things that people, like, I, after watching it a second time, I really saw, like, the fact that, you know, Lydia is wearing blue in the scene as she's talking about the, you know, wearing yeah. the blue meth and how the yellow isn't, uh, you know, up to snuff or whatever. Um, just, you know, little things, and, you know, Vince Gilligan swears they're happy accidents, but they happen too often, I think, to be happy accidents. And Todd is, has gotten her tea, which we know from her, uh, I believe the original time she showed up in the show for the first time, uh, she's very particular about her tea. So hopefully uh, Todd Todd made it the way she wanted it. But, but like you said, she uh, she's drinking out of the mug. She leaves a lipstick stain on the mug. And when she leaves, Todd, in his very creepy serial killer-ish way, is just looking at the, the mark she's left on the, on the glass. And he chips away at the lipstick stain with his thumbnail just like his uncle did with I believe blood on his shoe after the Arizona massacre and just like Mike did from his sleeve after I believe Drew Sharp's murder back in the train job Uh, it was the episode after the train job but after that murder Uh, so some more visual callbacks there and that's when he gets a call from Walt uh, which was what we saw at the end of last week's episode from Walt's point of view saying they need his uncle to do a job for Walt and uh, they're gonna put a hit out on Jesse and as we end the cold open, Todd, without even looking at the mug, drinks from it at the same point where Lydia had, because you can see the lipstick stain. Two, so he's very creepy towards her. Two, two things. Uh, first, when Todd gets that phone call, the fact that he has a You Blinded Me of Science ringtone is hilarious. <laughs> but, um, yes, yeah. very nice. But the, the other thing, Todd is so creepy. <laughs> this character he he's he's the the one you can't like predict the most of like everyone else they're they're you know they have their their motives or what have you todd is like this crazy wild card that every time i see him i just don't know what to expect regardless of if it's a violent act or him just agreeing along with something he just has a way of delivering every line of this this hint of ambiguity where you just don't quite get him and it's good good job on you know landry from <laughs> on his part but uh or Jesse Plemons, sorry, I call him Angie from Friday Night Lights, but it's just, God, just a creepy guy. Agreed. And he's just so matter-of-fact. He gets that call and, and he's polite. just like, okay, yeah. Like he, like Walt called him and asked him to, you know, make sure he took out the trash or, um, you know, pick up his mail or something like that. So after the cold open, we meet up with Jesse, who is talking to Hank, who is none too happy about what's going on, and Gomez is there as well. Um, he's, Jesse's telling them his plan to get Walt by getting Walt's money. So they work up a plan. Hank goes to visit Huel in a very nice scene, actually. I think this is the most Huel has gotten to talk in probably any scene. So at first, Huel's not saying anything, which is not surprising because Huel rarely say, says much at all. Uh, Mexico is generally all he's saying. But eventually, Hank tricks him by showing him a picture of Jesse with his brains blown all over the floor, which was set up using, I believe, a cow's brain or a pig's brain, some brain they bought uh, from the local supermarket or butcher shop and uh, put it on the floor and took a picture, making it look like Jesse had been shot in the head. They say that 
Kubi is missing, and apparently Kubi is actually his last name. His name is Patrick Kubi, so for anyone who is keeping a uh, shrine to the character or just needs his full name for a fantasy football team, whatever, <laughs> it's Patrick. <laughs> so they they start trying to trick Huel into telling them where the money is, but of course, Huel doesn't know. Huel does, however, tell them everything he does know because Huel is very understandably upset about all this. He's... He's just kind of the muscle. He doesn't really do anything that bad. He, he does illegal things, but he's not a violent person. And to see that Jesse has been killed and possibly Kubi as well, he, he, he starts to talk. So he tells them about the rental van, the shovel, that there was dirt. They had to clean it off, but that he does not know where the money was hidden. And then Hank convinces Huel not to answer any calls, particularly from Saul, because he says Saul is in cahoots with Walt to kill all the uh, loose ends. And uh, not to leave his house either, stay there for safety, and they leave. It's a solid scene for Huel, for sure. He um, gets, gets his, his moment to shine, if, even if that does involve breaking under pressure. But um, He even gets to shed some tears, doesn't he? He, he gets a little emotional. I don't know if he shed any tears, but he, he, got, he, got, he got close, for sure. He's like, oh man, Jesse's dead, and <laughs> am, I, am I next? I like that Huel's, Huel gets convinced by, by Hank that Hank really wants to protect him. And I like that that was Hank's angle. <laughs> Like in all, in all of this, he's doing it because he wants to protect Huel. Like that's that was humorous to me. But I did like um, Hank's Hank's work this time around. He he's been unsuccessful. He was unsuccessful when it came to trying to convince Skyler to come on his side. He he, he was he, the whole Jesse plan didn't work out as well as possible. But you know he 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 he, he, stu- he stepped up his approach. I would say for for convincing Huel. Now at this point, this was a big scene for Huel. Like you said, it kind of felt like a... I forget what exact words you said, but it was kind of a swan song for the character. Do you think we see him again? Or was this kind of his big scene to signal his exit from the show? I'd be surprised if we saw Huel. I mean, I, I honestly thought we were done with Huel and QB from like the episode where they were both leaning on the money. So, I... I well, because that's where I'm kind of going with this. I kind of... This this is not like where I'm saying it's, it's two to one that this is happening or, you know, 100 to one or whatever, but... I wouldn't hate it if, regardless of what happens to every other character, if Huel and Kubi are the ones who end up with the money. <laughs> like, maybe not all of the money, but, like, a lot of money and actually end up in Mexico or wherever they wanted to go. Um, it just kind of feels like the type of thing that could happen on this show. Like, almost like that they're the R2-D2 and C-3PO, C-3PO of the uh, of the crew, and everything still ends up working out just fine for them, even as everyone else lies dead and destroyed around them. I um, I didn't I didn't listen to the episode where this happened, so I apologize if you discussed this, but do you think they actually did take any money already? I mean, there's... Oh, absolutely. Like, cause oh, they, yeah. Absolutely. They, yeah, they gave that... They kind of gave a look to each other when Walt addressed the, the money in the van and everything, so... I'm, and he said... Would, but, but if they said, did take any, it. it's a, you know... Twenty, thirty thousand dollars each, or something. It's not like they, yeah. they got away with. Probably fills their pockets, is what I was they, they know. They know what Walt's capable of for sure, and they, <laughs> they all, yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But I'm just curious if you guys thought that. Yeah, I would assume that too. I don't know about um, them being the ones that get the money in the end. I don't know about all that, but at the same time, if if there's the Saul Goodman PI show or Saul Goodman Esquire, the TV series or whatever, I mean, if Hugh and QB are involved in that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind the continuing to see these characters but for this the span for the next three episodes given the intensity that we need here to really see where everything's going i don't think we're gonna have much time for Hugh and qb anymore they're kind of the rosencrantz and guildenstern of breaking bad exactly they're just characters passing through in a larger uh larger story so so here's the pitch for the for the better call saul spinoff Mm -hmm. Hugh and qb end up with the money 
they then, either secretively or with Saul's knowledge, move Saul out to Chicago or some, somewhere else and hire him. So it's essentially Charlie's Angels with Huel and Kubi as Charlie and Saul and his crew as the Angels. Eh? Eh? Sold. <laughs> I'm a Hollywood producer. Here's a gajillion dollars. Make that happen. Eh, I can do it. I um I don't know if anyone else watches It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but Huel. Oh, of Huel, course, I'm a season behind. But. Huel was on the premiere episode for this season, which uh, the actor uh, Lavelle Crawford, which which was like confusing and hilarious at the same time because he's playing a, a way more outlandish character as opposed to the strong and breathing type that he plays on um, Breaking <laughs> Bad. Uh, so Walt goes and meets up with Todd, his uncle Jack, and Kenny to discuss the hit on Jesse. And Walt is still, you know, he's resigned himself to the fact that he's going to have to have Jesse killed, but he's very clear, you know, I don't want Jesse to experience fear. I want you to basically sneak up on him, kill him, and get him over with. You know, he, he's resigned himself that he's got to do this, but he doesn't want to make Jesse suffer or anything like that. And that, again, goes to my thoughts of just, you know, Walt really does consider Jesse almost in that family category. I really sure. like the way Jack reacts to that, too. He's like... Uh... Oh, okay, uh, you know, bullet to the head. You know, I respect that. You know, there's too many savages out there. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice irony yeah, I, there. I know a know. couple. <laughs> nice irony. Says the man with the, the swastika tattoo on his neck. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But Jack says he's only going to do it for Walt if Walt will come back and teach Todd how to cook the signature blue meth. And Walt talks him down from three lessons to one, but he eventually does... Uh, does agree to it, and then they shake hands, to which I tweeted, enjoy your deal with the devil. Devil, I'm sure to work out splendidly both for both of you. And uh, I, as we saw, I was uh, very correct by the end of this episode. I kind of had the feeling that, and I don't know that we'll actually see it, but at least theoretically that Walt was going to agree to get back in for one reason or another. Like, I didn't expect that we would never see him cook again, that something would bring him in, even if it was just the one time. So I, I kind of was I kind of was expecting that to happen. All I could think of was Al Pacino saying, every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. <laughs> That's exactly what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, there's so many different references to other, you know, films and things like that. I mean, Gilligan himself has said, you know, it's a, a trip from Mr. Chips to Scarface. So um, <laughs> that's what I was thinking when I was watching it anyway. Do we do we foresee Jesse being there alongside of him? Uh, probably against his will, almost certainly against his will at this point. But do you see Jesse being there, being forced to cook meth with Walt that last time? It's. It, I mean, this will kind of get into, I guess, predictions or what have you towards the end. But I mean, given how this ends, I would, I would doubt Jesse would be the be one of the people that maybe dies, give it at the beginning of next episode, and so I'd likely see him being captured by Jack, perhaps, and that's, you know, leading, which leads to Walt of why he's grabbing a gun and getting ready to get on there and giving the flash forwards. But working with them, or working with Walt, I don't know. Because, I mean, Todd certainly knows that Jesse is just as capable as Walt is when it comes to making the meth, so I don't know if, I don't know how that's going to play out if if they would really need both of them to make the meth and how that would play into yeah, it. Yeah, and not to get ahead of ourselves, but they clearly set up a partial out for Jesse at the end of this episode for him to at least not die. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I I could see it either way. They'd have to, it'd have to be like at the barrel of a gun, him going back to cook with Walt, but I could see it happening. 
Yeah, we'll get we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So Walt then tries to figure out how he's going to lure Jesse out into the open because he has no idea where Jesse is. Remember, he has no idea that Jesse is working with Hank at all. And so he goes and visits Andrea and Brock. And that was a nice little cameo. I was not expecting to see them in the season at all. But he goes to Andrea and he tells her Jesse's probably using drugs again. He hasn't heard from him in a while. Can you give Jesse a call? He won't respond to my calls. Here's his new number. And uh, Andrea calls Jesse, leaves a voicemail, says, you know, they're concerned. But that voicemail is, surprise, surprise, maybe it surprised me. I, I see some other people online were not surprised at all, but intercepted by Hank, who's the one holding the Hello Kitty phone, not Jesse. And he, uh, I believe he says, nice try, a-hole, and he never gives Jesse that particular message. Now, what did you think of uh, Brock's reaction to seeing Walt? It's it's like uh, it's like animals that sense things in the weather and how they just know it's bad. That's kind of the reaction I, I get every time I see see Brock and Walt in a scene together. Brock just seems to he seems to see a cloud of evil when Walt's around, without acknowledging it like in words or being like visibly scared. It just seems like I don't I don't like him. Like, that's the that's the feeling he gets. Yeah, I, I, I can I can see that for sure. So Hank then goes and he checks out the van rental company. And he finds out that they used to have GPS in their vehicles, but they were forced to take them out after an ACL lawsuit. And so there's no GPS to tie Walt to the location of the money and be able to track that down. And meanwhile, Saul approaches Walt at the car wash in a very funny scene where uh, Walt Jr. is head over heels uh, gaga for for Saul. And uh, Saul tells uh, Walt, uh, away from Walt Jr., that Huel has gone missing. This also felt to me kind of like a swan song scene in that if we never see Walter Jr. again, I mean, I'd be surprised, but if we never saw him again, this was kind of a great little scene for him to go out on. It kind of encapsulates most of what we know about the character and was at least, even if we do see him again in much worse circumstances, it was one last chance for us to see him smile ear to ear, which he absolutely was doing. Seeing him smile ear to ear, certainly, I, I can... I can see that as the last time we see that because I, I don't, I, I can't imagine just not seeing Walt Jr. again. <laughs> like well, he, he's he he's going to discover that his father is Heisenberg, and you're not going to miss out on a scene like that in the series. Uh, but seeing him st- starstruck by Saul was absolutely hilarious. To me. <laughs> yeah. His his goofy smile, his insistence on saying "Have a day one day" because it's Saul, so he needs to make sure the brand is known to this lawyer that's on the billboard across the street. Like that's just, it's just perfect. Well, and the brand was all over the place. I mean, the beginning of the episode, Lydia is saying blue is our brand. In the car wash, uh, Skylar tells Walt Jr., uh, you know, it's brand recognition or it's enforcing our brand. Whatever the phrase she says is when, when she's telling him he has to say a one day. And then when Saul walks away, he says, you remember, kid, don't drink and drive. But if you do, you better call me or something along those lines. And so we've got three different characters all enforcing their brands within the first uh, probably the first half of the episode. I don't think we've quite gone to the second half at that point, although we're close. I do like the fact he's wearing a bulletproof vest through the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> yes he is, and probably with good reason. Oh, I forgot the my line, too, that he... When Saul, when Saul says, don't drink and drive, but if you do, call me. That just made me, that made me laugh a lot. <laughs> that, that was very funny. 
as was something about Walt, like when 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 Saul comes in, and then Walt comes in and looks at Saul, and he's like holding the baby. He just gives. It's just there's something about the kind of like why are you here in that in his in the eyes that he gives Saul, which just made me laugh quite a bit because like and uh, Skyler's right there, and like, so like everyone except Walt Junior's in on what's happening, or at least know something's up, and. It's just there's something about the the sequence of events that all push together in the visual storytelling just was humorous to me. So Jesse sends a cell phone picture to Walt of what appears to be one of his barrels of money unearthed out of the ground. And he tells him the van had a GPS, that Jesse tracked it down, he found the money, and that he is going to burn it all if Rust, uh, if, if Walt does not come out and meet him. And he also says, you know, if you, if this... F- call is dropped if you try to call anybody else if you tell anybody else anything i hear anything that i don't want to hear i'm burning all of the money and so walt drives like a maniac as he's done several times in the series and jesse tells him what is it ten thousand a minute that he's going to burn for every minute that walt's not there Mm -hmm. so walt is just gushing all over the phone if if hank is recording this conversation we don't know but if hank was recording it he's got a ton of proof of, you know, he admits to poisoning Brock, but he says he ensured Brock's survival. He's, did you really think I didn't know exactly what I was doing? I made sure he wouldn't die from it, etc. Uh, he admits to pretty much all of the murders, or at least most of them, and it says they were done to protect Jesse as much as himself. And Walt finally gets to Tahajali, which is the name of the episode, and also the location of where the money is buried and the first cook. And Jesse's not there. And it takes Walt a second, but he quickly figures out that he's been duped, he uh, takes the battery out of the phone, he throws it on the ground, he starts looking around, and then he sees, um, from the same location, I believe, where Jesse first saw the cow house, back where they were cooking the first time, uh, he sees a car approaching, he sees the dust kind of lifting up in the distance, very western-like, uh, he runs back down, he grabs the phone, he puts the battery back in, he calls uh, Uncle Jack, and he tells him, Jesse's here, He's in, you know, he gives him the coordinates, he's got the... Uh, the lottery ticket in his uh, in his wallet. He reads him the location. He says, "You've got to get here. Jesse's coming, and he's coming for me. Uh, he possibly has backup, maybe two, three guys." And then the car pulls up, and out step Jesse, Hank, and Gomez. And Walt realizes that Jesse has been working with Walt or with Hank for at least some period of time, and he calls it off. He tells uh, Jack, "Do not come. Do not come. It's off. We're not going to do it." And then he hangs up. And that is when we cut to commercial. Now, one of the things, and I tweeted this out, Jordan, Sunday night of the show. I thought that Walt was fooled a little too easily. I was um, going to say the same thing, Russ. I was going to say exactly yeah. the same thing. He got bluffed out. It's his empire. But he got bluffed out really quick by Jesse. I mean, he's a little smarter than that, I thought, anyway. I was going to say the exact same thing. Walt's been in situations, I think, similar to that, where his back has been against the wall, or he feels like there's no way out. And he always finds a way without completely overreacting and not thinking about it first. The only, I started thinking about it a little more, and the only thing that maybe placated me a little bit is we're kind of seeing a regression to season one Walt at this point. You know, both in the way that he's, um, you know, kind of being a little more calm. He's being honest with his wife, his, uh, his choice of outfits, like he's going back to the more cream and muted colors in his, in his dress. So I thought, well, maybe if we're reverting back to a more season one Walt, that, that maybe that makes a little more sense. Because, you know, we saw in the very beginning when 
you know, when things got tough, he kind of panicked in the in the pilot episode. He kind of panicked and and you know ran off with his you know without you know his clothes on and you know just just some of the other stuff that was going on that was a little more panicky. Um, but I really felt like by this point we, w- we he would have been a little more cautious. Um, I think I don't I don't want to use the phrase it can be explained away, but I think it can be explained away or can be um, smoothed over. Walt's reaction, that is, under a few different arguments. First off, this is his money. Yes. And it's his empire, it's his money, it's his legacy for his family. It's what he's been fighting for. Even though he says he's been fighting for his family, he's been fighting for the money for his family. So, A, it's the money. B, like you said, this has been the re- kind of a regression to season one Walt. But more importantly, C would be that Walt, when he has time to plan something, when he has time to think about things like a scientist and to approach it methodically and step by step, Walt is awesome. Walt can do pretty much anything. He can get himself out of any scrape, any jam, anything like that. But this is by far not the first time we have seen when Walt is forced to make a split-second decision, he is prone to panic. This is the third or fourth time we've seen him drive like a madman like this throughout the streets of, uh, of New Mexico. And, you know, he can't, he can't hang up the phone. He's being told his money's being burned right then. Um, as soon as he sees the picture, I'm pretty sure it switches to the phone call. So it's not even like he can look back at the phone and, and, and the picture and see, uh, was that really what I thought it was? Because he's on the phone call now, and this is an older phone. You can't multitask or anything like that. It's a flip phone. And he doesn't have any time to plan or any time to react. He's just got to follow instructions, basically. Now, that said... He does have a gun. He does have at least some semblance of, when I get there, I'm going to shoot Jesse myself. But he has no idea Hank's involved. He has no he has no reason to think that Jesse would work with Hank. He's even said, I believe, earlier in this episode, there's no way that you know Jesse is going to work with the DEA, or particularly with Hank. He's not a rat. I, I, yeah, he's not a rat, exactly. Or Although, by the end of the episode, he does call him a coward. You know, a crippled little rata, as, uh, as Gus would say. But... I it, I had no problem believing that a Walt with no no time to plan and with his money threatened and dying, like he's so close to death at this point, I have no problem believing that he would do exactly what he did in this episode. It's a matter of, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with much of what you said, Jordan. It's He's, he's put into switch, a situation where he really has no other choice. He saw a quick image of the money, which he has no reason not to believe it's his money, and then he immediately gets a... He has, he has reason, but he immediately gets a phone call that kind of it kind of separates him from being able to look at that picture a little closer, give him a little more time. He has an angry Jesse who he knows is angry at him, who he knows is plotting against him, and he has every reason to believe that Jesse found it, however, since he explained it, and is just going to straight up, out of anger, burn it all down. So he, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't disbelieve what Walt's actions in this scene. Not to mention the explanation Jesse gives him is GPS, and we already know Walt is extremely paranoid about GPS because it's been used by just about everybody in this show. The other thing that I thought was odd about that whole exchange was the audio on it. It's it didn't sound like Jesse was over the phone. It sounded like he was sitting right next to him. I just to me it just it just sounded really odd as I was listening to it. And I know when they've done. It seems to me, I'm trying to remember, when they've done other things where two people are talking on the phone, we typically only hear the side that um, that's talking, or the, and, and then they when, when you need to hear the other person clearly, it like cuts over 
to that person speaking, or it's clear that they're on they're on the phone. Like when when Walt was talking to Todd, it was clear that he was on the phone, and when when Jesse was talking to him, like I said, it didn't sound like that at all. And that it's just a minor thing, but it just I don't know, it just it just caught me off. If I had to guess, and I obviously do, um, I'm going to assume that they did that. They didn't show Jesse on the other side and and link up his audio with his image only because they didn't want us to know where he was, who he was with, what he was doing. I mean, we had an sure. idea, but it keeps us in the dark as much as it keeps Walt in the dark, or well, less so because, like I said, we have a, we have an idea of what's going on. But I, I think it was more of a strategic decision. And honestly, the audio didn't bother me because I was too busy being distracted by some of the shots which had really bad rear projection for the car with, you know, kind of the Seinfeld effect. Oh, of, yeah, you yeah. Know, They're in front of a green screen. I, some of them were fine, and some were just really stuck out to I have me. something to say about that, and I, I can't, I can't, like, I can't say as that it's, you know, absolutely true. But the the whole tone of that, and that this is, I mean, I, lo- I love this whole driving sequence. I think the whole tone of that sequence is very, it's it's done almost in a very pulpy way. Like, it feels like a separate, like, yeah. almost like a little short movie of itself of just intense conversation on the phone as we see yes. car chase shots happen. And it has this really, like, gritty vibe of, and it doesn't have, I mean, it doesn't have a Hollywood budget to, you know, make an amazing car chase scene. So it's doing kind of something a little bit different where you're just having these quick edits these shots of cars going really fast and you have this kind of this dialogue that's very exact it's very it has this fast fast quick paced uh kind of pulpy sensibility to it that fits a certain style for what that scene was trying to achieve and you don't you know you don't you don't see jesse you, you just hear him you just hear a person shouting things and you hear another person arguing back at them i think it's done in a a stylistic manner, which I mean, Breaking Bad's not one to shy away from having stylistic uh, bits of filming going on and what have you. I mean, that's that's kind of what I took away from it. I can I can agree that yeah, the some of the rear projection shots are ones that just they feel like rear projection shots, but I mean, it it almost adds to what the what the what's going on in that scene and what the um, kind of intensity you're you're seeing and just how what the tone what the tone is. Also, again we've seen in in this whole season five that jesse has become a lot smarter you know hank and gomi had their ideas of how to bring walt in or how they were going to do things and it was jesse changing the script and deciding that he knew better and of course it it once again his plan turned out to be the one that works so again you you juxtapose that with the fact that Walt, for the most part, especially in the beginning of the season, just thought he was a complete and utter moron, and you know he was constantly screwing stuff up. And now he's become even sm- you know he's like outsmarting Walt, which nobody at this point has really been ever able to do. Um, so I thought that was that was uh, a key. And also this week was the return of the bitch. Like yes, we haven't we haven't heard heard that in a while, and he uh, he laid it on thick this week. <laughs> Now, before we go into the next scene, at the end of this particular scene, when they went to commercial, it is like, like I said before, it's, it's Walt saying, that, you know, the deal's off, the deal's off, don't come, don't come, you, you can't come and kill him. And it's, you're just seeing Walt's face as he kind of comes to grips with what he's going to have to do, right before it cuts to commercial as Hank and Gomi and Jesse are there on the other side of the rock that, that Walt is hi- hiding behind. I was amazed when it went to commercial, that it didn't cut to executive producer Vince Gilligan. I thought the hour was over. And when it didn't, I looked down at my phone and I was like, oh, there's like 12 more minutes left in this episode. I was amazed. I thought that was the end. Yeah. 
Then I tweeted during the commercial, how crazy would it be if we come back from commercial and we're in the flash forward and we have to put the pieces together like after that of what happened in between. That'd be something crazy. <laughs> I don't know if I could handle that kind of jump. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's, you know, you know, it's going to happen any minute, like any point from this point on, it could just, you come back from commercial and you're in the flash forward. Um, I, I'm thinking it'll happen in two weeks uh, as we talked about last week, but you know, it, it's just one of those things where it would not have surprised me at all. It, you know, it almost wouldn't surprise me if we come back next week and we have to put the pieces back together and, you know, you just start in the flash forward. But we uh, we come back from commercial and Walt is cornered and you know, Hank and, and Go- Gomez are, you know, running, not running around, but just kind of scanning the area with their guns, yelling out to Walt, you know, give yourself up. It's over. And... Walt finally does come out from behind the rock. He's still holding his pistol. And uh, Hank tells him to drop it. And he lifts it a little bit, but then he does drop it on the ground. We get the whole bit of walk forward, turn around, put your hands on your head, walk backwards. And Walt hates having to do it. He's kind of doing the Gus pose from when Gus was a Terminator and uh, stood up to the sniper. It's kind of Christ-like in a way, a lot of that imagery. But Walt resigns himself that it's over. He's going to have to give himself up. And uh, Jesse kind of goes, can't believe that it's over. The look on his face is kind of amazing. And then finally when, I wouldn't say when Walt puts two and two together, but when he finally gets to the point of, you worked with Hank, he just looks over and calls Jesse a coward. And Jesse comes over and spits right in Walt's face. The um, brutal, brutal uh, scene there. The... the like Brian Cranston has many awards for his acting in this series, and this whole scene is just like a reason why. This is you could put this like a check mark of why. Like his everything, every like facial expression he makes, every way he he every movement he makes in like just approaching Hank is just amazing. Like you can see, you can read all the emotions that are going through him right now. Every every thought in his mind is so just it's so convincing of like that Brian Cranston has inhabited this, the Walter White character and he knows exactly what to do to make this character just register on screen in the most effective way possible. It's just fantastic. He basically pulls a Jesse, one of those wordless scenes where it's just all the acting's in the face. Yes. And it's thrilling. Like we're, we're watching a person walk to another person and it's the most thrilling thing I've seen on TV this week. <laughs> well, until, until, <laughs> until the, the next, next scene. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Hank puts the handcuffs on Walt. He reads him his Miranda rights. Uh, he puts Hank or Walt in the back of the, of Hank's SUV, and then he calls up Marie and tells her we got him. And Marie is thrilled. She said, you know, "He says you're okay." She says, "I'm much better now." He says that he loves her. She replies that she loves him too, and they end the phone call. Now, before we move on to the next is thing, is Hank saying goodbye to Marie? That's Hank saying goodbye to Marie. Before we go to the next thing, though, uh, up on Reddit, someone posted, and I thought this was great uh, in the way that Breaking Bad always does these kind of callbacks, but they've been doing it a lot the last couple episodes. If you go back to the episode, and I forget the name of the episode, I'm sorry, I normally like to be able to call out specifically where it was, but the episode at Hank's house where Walt and Hank are talking about Gail Bedecker, and it's that whole, WW, what do you think that means? The same scene that we flash back to when uh, when Hank found the book at the end of the last half of the first uh, of, of this season, 
there was another part to that conversation. And uh, someone on Reddit took the pictures uh, with the, uh, the subtitles up and juxtaposed them with what happened in this episode. So let me read to you what Hank had said. He's talking to Walt and he says, I wanted to be the ones to slap the handcuffs on him. And then you see the shot of him slapping the handcuffs very deliberately on Walt. And then he says, Popeye Doyle waving to Frog One. And then he does kind of a strange wave. I've never really seen anybody wave quite the way Hank does here, unless it's specifically a reference to... Uh, what, what is Popeye Doyle and Frog One from? French from the French Connection, yeah. French he's, connection, but he's very yeah. specifically doing a certain wave that, that happens right. between both the, the, the French villain character and Gene Hackman's character in that movie. Okay, so he, sh- he does that wave in that scene, and then there's the screenshot of him doing the same wave to Walt in the car. And then you have Walt talking to Hank in that scene, and he says, well, if I recall, at least from the first French Connection, Popeye Doyle never actually caught him. Correct. And Hank says, well, I guess me and old Popeye, huh? A day late and a dollar short. And, uh, of course, a reference to uh, yet another famous uh, famous movie with a giant shootout. And uh, that's where we're going next. But how cool was it that they juxtaposed having it be just like first Hank said and then like Walt said? Yeah, it's, this is almost like the, the, the as we've seen in Breaking Bad before, where something someone wants very badly or something great happens, immediately something like really <laughs> is going to happen to them. So this is like Hank's finest hour to me. I mean, he's got... He finally nailed WWE. Finally, you know, even though it turned out to be his brother-in-law, you know, he, he finally got Walt in the cuffs. Like you say, exactly the way he wanted it. And um, I just can't help but think that this is the last we're going to see of him, you know, especially with after that call to Marie. I just really kind of tipped me off. I'm like, oh, this is kind of him, like, saying goodbye. Right. It, maybe, maybe not. But if it is, it certainly works, you know. So without any further ado, let's get around to that actual final scene. Like we said, Walt is in the backseat of Hank's SUV. Uh, Jesse and Gomez are going to wait at where the money is, uh, and they're going to call the um, uh, the reservation, not police. What's the term I'm looking for? Tribal police. The tribal police. And uh, they're, they're going to you know get the DEA in there. They're going to comb the area for the money. They don't know exactly where it is. Walt won't tell them, but they know they're close. And from screenshots people posted, it looks like when Walt is being handcuffed, he's literally standing on top of where the money is buried because there was a... Uh, a tumbleweed or whatever that he had planted in a specific way on top of it. And it looks to me that he's standing like either on it or directly next to it. So like we said, Hank calls Marie and then Walt is in the backseat of the SUV and he sees as Hank's hanging up, he sees dust in the distance and he starts to realize what's happening. Uh, two vehicles pull up a, a sedan and a pickup truck and it's Jack. And I believe five of his guys, I think there's six of them in total. Something like that. And Walt starts freaking out, starts yelling to Hank, 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 and then he's yelling to Jack, Jack, don't do this, don't do this. The six guys get out, they all draw down on Hank and Gomez, and Hank and Gomez are kind of behind the SUV in a little bit. It's kind of hard to tell what angle they're uh, hidden from the guys in the shot that it was used, but from other shots, it's, it's clear they are just barely behind the vehicle. They have kind of a badges, we don't need those stinking badges showdown of, you know, show you know show us that you're really DEA, we don't believe you. Uh, and like I said, everybody's guns are drawn on each other. And finally, Jack looks over to Kenny, and he nods, and uh, Kenny takes aim, and the gunfight starts with, uh, with everybody firing at each other. Hank and Gomez are just kind of behind the SUV. It looks like Gomez might have been shot. It's not entirely clear. 
Jesse is in the sedan, and we see him reaching for and maybe actually grabbing the door handle. We don't see what happens to him after that, but that's what I was talking about with the out before of him possibly getting out of the car and getting down on the ground, maybe crawling away. And uh, hang, uh, and Walt gets down on the floor of the SUV. His glasses get broken in the process, which explains why he's wearing different glasses in the flash forward. And then it cuts to executive producer Vince Gilligan. <laughs> the episode ends. And then I proceeded to have to remind myself to breathe for the next 35 minutes as I sat in silence with the TV <laughs> muted, just kind of glassy-eyed looking at Twitter and uh, some Breaking Bad reviews that had gone up very quickly after the episode was ended. And uh, it was pretty, pretty crazy. I, uh, in my in my uh, room as I watched it, screamed out a Darth Vader-esque, No! As it ended, just because I thought there was going to be at least another five minutes, but there were not. Yeah. I will um, I'll say that I did just rewatch the episode again before doing this podcast, just to get it fresh. And on the side of the good guys, or at least our main cast... It, Jesse, he's definitely exited the car. You don't see that, but I mean, he, he's, the door's opened. He's either ducked down or ran off by this point, even though none of that is seen. That's, I mean, that's, that's where he is in this scenario. While all these guys We're are, talking about a period of seconds yeah, yeah. Here where all this stuff is yeah. happening. So, so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um, on the, you know, on the Gomez hang side, I can't, I was, I, I paused it and like rewound it several times to see what was going on with Gomez, with Gomi. And, I mean, I can't see if he's shot or not. I wouldn't be surprised, though. I wouldn't be surprised if he's either dead next episode or if Hank's, like, rushing him to the hospital with a gut shot or something. Uh, you, you don't see him hit, but you do see him. It appears to be grimacing. He's, he's, he's straining, and I can't. And again, I was trying it several times to get a try to get a clear shot. But, I mean, he he's either, yeah, he's either straining in pain because he got hit or he's straining because there are, you know, a truck ton of bullets coming his way. And he's trying to find cover and not get hit by debris falling off the car and whatnot. I mean, there's... There's a lot going on in the scene for sure, so it's it's tough. I'm not. I, I, all this said, I don't think Gomi's long for the Breaking Bad world for the rest of the season. I, I, I don't. I, I if I had to guess on you know who's dying, if if anyone wars who die, I think Gomez is you know the likely likely person in this equation here. Allow me to float a uh, a quick uh, uh, what if, if I may. Okay, mm-hmm. say Hank and Gomi down go down in this. Jesse runs off, and and Walt is. Uh, you know, left alive, as we've seen in the flash forward, he survives. Um, with with Hank being dead, and uh, that the DVD that Walt made accusing Hank of it, you know being the master of being Heisenberg the whole time, doesn't that kind of give uh, uh, Walt like the you know scot free way out? It's there, but I mean, we know from the flash forward that Hank is or that Walt is. He's Heisenberg, and like his his family's his his family's gone. His house is marked with the term with the words Heisenberg. Like it, but did Jesse do that? Did the neo Nazis right. do that? Like it doesn't have to be the law. The law doesn't have to be involved at any point. Well, I mean, presumably they're involved at some point after vandalism is done to a house. But assuming that Hank and Gomez die, which I really don't see how they walk away from that situation. Although Breaking Bad has surprised me many many times before. Assuming they die, the only person who can turn them in is Marie, who really can't prove anything, and Jesse, who also really can't prove anything. I I don't know. I don't I, at this point. I don't see the law bringing him to justice based on that. Maybe after what happens in the flash forward, but I I think it's 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 Walt versus the devils he's made deals with at this point. Oh, I definitely yeah. see that. I just don't. I don't. I, I, I don't see Hank being ruled as Heisenberg as a scenario in this 
in, in how this plays out. I don't I don't see that happening. Yeah, I I, re- I really don't see that being picked up as a plot point. But I mean, I, it wouldn't bother me if it was. I after the speech that Hank gave to Marie, there's no way he walks away from this. Yeah. The the I mean, if he does, then what was the point of that? I mean, because they belabored that scene. I mean, it was way longer than it should have been. And to me, the only reason for that is just so the audience gets to see him say goodbye to his wife. The only way I see him getting out of it is if Jesse pulls what happened to... In some ways, this is a little similar to the scene from season four where when Jesse and Mike and Gus took out the cartel, um, is is that if Jesse gets back into Walt's um, you know car and then, you know, that feels like he can't just leave those two guys there just like he he you know took Mike and Gus to the to the you know uh, you know dock in a box or whatever um I, I i could see him doing that with with Hank and uh and Gomi you know just basically getting in the car pulling around um having those guys get in and then them just take off um it in his back Jesse knows because they've cooked in that site that they can't just get in the he can't just get away on foot there's there's no way so he has to stay with the car, and it and it's kind of funny that nobody is by Hank by Walt's car except Jesse. Like there's nobody else around, and they're really not shooting at him. They're shooting at at Hank and Gomi. They're shooting at the people so, that have guns drawn on them. Yeah. Right. Right. It's. I mean, <laughs> we'll find out in a week's time. But Breaking Bad's not a show that you know thrives on cliches too often. So I mean, having an entire scene of Hank. Given the the you know the death speech to his wife, where he's everything's the top of the world and everything's gonna work out honky dory from now on. Oh wait, I've just been gunned down horribly. I'm not saying it's not gonna happen, but at the same time, I I I I think Vince Gilligan has more tricks up his sleeve than simply having that kind of scene play out the same way it plays out in you know 80s action movies. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I don't really see Hank or Gomez getting getting away from this. Maybe Hank if. Walt begs for his life or something, or if Hank ends up a vegetable and, you know, in a coma or something, because otherwise there's just, with what Hank knows at this point, I feel like he's got to die for for the flash forward to work and all that kind of stuff. Um, my real question is, how many of Todd's friends die? Like, does Kenny get shot? Does Uncle Jack get shot? Um, I kind of feel like Jack's going to stick around. Yeah, no, Jack's but, the big. I mean, that's play, he's he's played by an actor I know. I mean, he's he's not he's not going away in this one episode. But, well, but beyond that, he's the one who has the deal, he, and with he's Walt. the mastermind in this whole. Beyond Todd, I mean, he's the the lead of this thing. I mean, Hank. I mean, Hank's a crafty crafty guy when it comes to the action scenes. He's he's gotten himself out of situations before that have been pretty tense for him. I mean, he. I can see him taking down a couple of those guys, and I and then I can see him also getting like captured by Jack. I mean, it's a lot of a lot of ways for this to go. I guess. What if Hank is being kept hostage in the that's future? What that's I mean, by Jack that's honestly, that's, to keep Walt under that's control. That's my biggest thought. That's what I. I mean, if Hank's or if Walt's going, you know, guns blazing to try and do something, I imagine it has to do with him having captured either Jesse or Walt or both. And I think that's where things are headed at this point. And Hank is family. And as much as we may not, you know, love Walt or at least be be sympathize with him, he. I do think he, you know, he wants to protect his family at all costs, and Hank is family regardless of, you know, the, which side of the law he's on versus Walt at this stage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if he gets picked up, 
if that's how this all plays out is for some reason they don't shoot him, they, they pick him up and take him away, then I can live with that because then it, it still gives weight to the fact that he had that you know goodbye with Marie, and we know it's about six months later that we see the flash forward. So if he's out of pocket and away from his wife for that long, that's that's a big emotional drain and it causes all kinds of other drama. So I, I could definitely live with that. Yeah, I mean, I I think Gomi is probably dead. I mean, that's that's where I'm coming out of this. And Gomi's if Gomi's dead, then Hank gets like wounded or something, and they drag him away, and then they like pick up Jesse. Like that's those that's like in my personal estimation. Before we find out next week, I assume that's where I think things are headed. I can't say for sure, of course, but I mean that's kind of how I see it playing out at this time. Five bucks. Five bucks says Hank is dead. Who's in? I'm on record here. I'm on a podcast. Yeah, I'm not taking that being, being recorded. Okay. I think I think we all agree it's uh, it's probably even money. <laughs> you know that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that he's uh, like I, Russ makes a very good point. The scene where he calls Marie, very uh, very it very much seemed to me like a goodbye. Um, and I could almost see Marie freaking out and taking it out on Walt's family in a, in a weird scenario. You know, uh, for, you know from losing Hank. So, but yeah, I don't I don't think we're gonna be seeing him after next week but if walt teams up with dark marie or dark mar as i've been calling her dark marie that that'll be i'd I'd love to see that they're both poisoning people walt has the rice and she has her like cookbook of poison on the internet yeah well and and hank and i believe gomi were both wearing black this episode so there's also a shot what does that mean uh, where you're looking up at hank and you can see there's two buildings on either side of him and then there's sky above. So it looks like he's looking up out of a grave. When Marie looks down into the trash can and sees the brain, it looks very much like she's looking down into a grave. Um, there's a lot of visual symbolism going on there. There was also one this episode of Walt in the car wash yeah. on the phone where he's looking out from behind the blinds. And not only do they look like bars, but there's like a flashing blue neon sign off to the left that looks like police lights. The show's crazy, man. It is. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, do we have anything else to add about Tahajali before we wrap this up and head into the preview for next week? We finally got some information on what the complete Breaking Bad Blu-ray set is going to look like. Uh, and, yeah, so we it looks like it's going to be all of the season discs in a or money barrel, barrel let's be that fair. opens up with the Breaking Bad logo. Yeah, or an acid barrel. Yeah, That's true. yeah however you want. The acid barrels are always clear, though. Um, um, but it it has the Breaking Bad logo on the outside. It opens up, um, so it kind of looks like a cross-section. The discs look like they're in um, round snap cases where each yes. season is on there. And, like, I guess season one has the picture of the, you know, the, the crude Heisenberg drawing of him with the shades and the mustache and the hat. Um, there's a season uh, container that has the, uh, the pink uh, or the purple teddy bear. Uh, that was in the pool on it, and there's a couple others I can't I can't figure out. It comes with a Los Pollos Hermanos uh, cooking apron, um, a, a special challenge coin that usually the military uses these challenge coins, yeah. um, a Breaking Bad challenge coin designed by Vince Gilligan himself. Uh, I think there's a booklet. I think there's a in booklet. There too. Yes, there's a booklet. Yeah, and um, so it looks like it's going to be a really cool set. Amazon has it now for like two twenty five, which is a little steep. Um, but there's tons of extras. There's even what they're calling a three-minute alternative ending. Uh, and Jordan and I were talking about that last night. Uh, and I'm curious if it's if it's a truly legitimate alternate ending or if it's some sort of 
um, faux alternate ending. Like I think like, you like had the joke. idea of like he, you know, yeah, Walt up. bolts up in bed and he's next to Jane's Kaz American as I just had the crazy stream, you know, the Bob Newhart ending or something. Or if they just used the funny yeah. guy <laughs> or college humor, I forget who did it. But the uh, Hank spoils the end of Breaking Bad or Dean Norris spoils the end of Breaking Bad video. Um, they could put on there. But it's just a ton of special yeah. features on this thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all, all of the, the... It's all the features that you get with the with the Blu-rays already, plus the new special features for the final season, which includes right. a two-hour documentary about the said final season. Yeah, which I thought was awesome. It's like a two-hour filming of the final eight episodes. So it, it looks like it's going to be a pretty robust set. It's going to be, of course, 1080p. So that'll be nice for me to just see it in that super high-def format. So it's definitely one that I'll be getting... Uh, I don't know if I'll be getting it right away. It's right now. It's like I said, it's two twenty-five on Amazon, but they're only showing a twenty-five percent discount. My guess is, knowing typically how these things come out launch week and what Amazon does, I think we'll see that that discount bump up, and I think we'll see this closer to maybe like one seventy-five or one eighty. Uh, and if you're really patient and they don't sell out, I think probably six or eight months after the fact, you probably get this thing for like a hundred bucks or a hundred and twenty-five bucks oh, max. Yeah. But uh, but it looks like they are doing a really cool presentation. I'm a big fan of the the really nice collector sets with all the trinkets and the cool stuff. Uh, so uh, I'm 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 looking forward to it. Uh, and I I I really like when they just go all out, um, especially with the debacle that we've seen recently with the Star Trek Into Darkness sets. Yeah. Uh, it looks like they are not they are not going down that road with this. And, and I'm assuming set, this so. counts the commentaries because I don't know how it couldn't. But there's more than 55 hours. Yes, you heard me right. Five five over 55 hours of bonus features on this set. You had me at Los Pollos Hermanos apron. I mean, that's all you had to say to me. That's all you had to say to me. This is uh, be going on my Christmas list for sure. All, all the um, Breaking Bad Blu-rays are always packed with extra features. They're all they're all very well designed sets, and I I don't generally go for these like big elaborate series boxes, but this one is like awesome. I I really <laughs> plan on going for it. And just to uh to plug they own some my site that I, the site that I write for whysoblue dot com um we do have that uh, posted up on the on the site so you can order it and it it Amazon. and the just the Breaking Bad final season uh DVD and Blu-ray box sets both come out on November 26th of this year. So you will not have to wait long at all to pick that up if you're interested. And if you're listening to this, you probably are, at least in the single season set, if not the entire monstrosity. And I mean that in the best possible way of the full series barrel set. It's a nice turnaround time. That is the only giant complete box set thing I own, and it is amazing. Well, folks, we're going to get into our preview next, but before that, uh, you can leave us a voicemail at 516-468-7912. That's 516-468-7912, or send us an email, hermanos at hhwlod.com. Remember, you can check out Half Hour Wasted on Mondays. You can check out uh, at the LOD and those related shows on Thursdays. You can check out Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Aaron... Where can they find your show? Where can they find you on the internet, etc., and so forth? There's, of course, Out Now with Aaron and Abe. That is the show that my, my that I and my co-host Abe run weekly. It's a weekly movie show. This week we are talking about Riddick, uh, the new film starring Vin Diesel. Um, and, yeah, we talk about the movies weekly. That's on HHWLD.com and, of course, and at iTunes. And you can uh, follow me at um, my blog, thecodezeek.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Aaron's 3 and, of course, you can check out all of our shows, the ones I already mentioned, uh, plus Jersey Shore, The Black Box, a whole bunch more at hhwlod.com. 
You can follow us on Twitter at HHWLOD underscore network. And there's Facebook groups for most of those shows as well. So remember, until next week, we are not in danger, listeners. We are the danger. And next week on Breaking Bad, mild spoilers, just be warned. If you don't want to know anything about next week's episode, bail out now. Next week's episode, like we said, directed by Ryan Johnson, written by Moira Wally Beckett. And the episode is entitled Ozymandias. Now, you may remember that back before this half of the season even started, they put out a very cool trailer with images from Albuquerque and New Mexico in general uh, being played alongside a voiceover of Brian Cranston reading the entire poem by Shelley of Ozymandias. Uh, if you have not seen that trailer absolutely check that out. I think that's pretty much required viewing before you see this episode. Uh, Not that I've seen the episode, but just because it's really, really cool. Okay. And the summary we have from AMC for Ozymandias is everyone copes with radically changed circumstances. So that's about as uh, telling as last week's things eat up for Walt, I'd say. Yeah. And Jesse calls somebody <laughs> and, a bitch. And, and just as a reminder, the <laughs> episodes that come after this, we have Granite State and then the series finale, Felina. So Ozymandias uh, this coming week, then Granite State, then Felina. Gentlemen, there's only three episodes of Breaking Bad left. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself after this is over. This is such a great show. Yeah, um, it's... Do we watch it again? I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, that'd be the obvious answer. Yeah, watch it again. No, it's yeah. I, I this show is it just you want to watch it right away. Like, and it's weird to say that, but I mean, there's some shows that some people just you know they put on their DVR and watch later. Breaking Bad, you just got to get on there. That's where I'm at. With the it. only like, reason I, I DVR Breaking Bad is so I can watch it a second time after I've already watched it when it aired live. <laughs> and it's the uh, well, aside from Mad Men and I guess Walking Dead because we do the podcast on it, the only show I do that for. There's no other show I watch live. So that that says a lot right there. Uh, is there anything else we should add in before we close this one out? Fruit Loops is excellent Fruit stuff. Fruit Loops is good stuff. <laughs> but does it top nah. Raisin Bran Crunch? <laughs> that is the question Walter Jr. really wants to know. <laughs> oh, the Brock Walt Jr. face-off. at breakfast. <laughs> ah, that's right. Yes. Breaking Bad reference. I gotcha. I'm picking <laughs> up what you're putting down. All right, because we're clearly loopy. Have a good week, folks. And uh, we'll see you next time. I can't wait. Bye. See ya. Good night. See ya.